Good morning, everybody. Just a little class. So there's a, there's a story that the Rav Yechezkel Levenstein, who was the Mashgiach of Panovich, he would tell. He, uh, if you, you, you ever had stories about him, he was, a, he was a guy that when they looked at him, they saw the holiness of this person. He said he once got into a taxi cab and he, he's got into a taxi cab to go from B'nai Brach to, to Jerusalem. And he gets in the cab and the, the guy driving the cab sees, you know, what he sees, a big rabbi in the back of my cab. So he says, he's going to tell him a story. He says, Rabbi, can I tell you a story? He says, you know, I was in the army for a few years. We, we were in uh, rough things. When we finished our three years in the army, me and a bunch of my friends, we decided that we were going to go to South Africa. We wanted to go on a uh, safaris. So we go out to South Africa, we all get together, six of us, and we join a safari and they're going to sleep in the, in the middle of the, the jungle and uh, we go out every morning and they have a guide and they have trucks and they have buses and they, whatever they have, everyone's there, sees exactly what to see. He says, three days, it was amazing, we saw things we never thought we would see. He says, the fourth day, one of the guys decides he's going to go out alone. We tell him, what are you, crazy? You don't know the area. They have guides who grew up here. They know every inch of land. You don't know where you're going to go. He goes, yeah, come on. I was in the army. What's going to happen to me? Two minutes out, he starts to scream. They come running. And he has a snake completely wrapped around him. It's called an African, it's an African rock python. It grows to 20 feet. And basically, it surrounds its prey until it squeezes it. like a, I guess like a boa constrictor. And squeezes it until the, the prey is gone. And that's it. So now they come and they see this. They run out to him. They see the snake around him. And they pick up sticks. They start to hit the snake. Start to hit the head of the snake. Do anything they can to get the snake to, to get off. Snake's not budging. And the guy looks like he's going to die. So one of them yells out. Even though they're not, you know, they're not religious. He says, you should say Shema Israel, You're going to die. And the guy screams out, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. And all of a sudden he says, the guy tells the rabbi, the snake loosens its grip and slithers away. So the rabbi says, so what happened? He goes, well, this guy, he was like, his whole life was changed. He got back home, he became religious, he married a religious girl, he raised a religious family. And the rabbi said, and what about you? He goes, what do you mean, what about me? He goes, what about you and your friends? He goes, well... The snake didn't go around us. <laughs> Went around him. So he says that it's unbelievable because you see miracles happen, except you say, uh, not related to me. Not related to me. And I be, we've been hearing every single day miracles that are happening. Miracles that are happening. And how do we respond to the miracles that are happening? Uh, I, I wrote about a miracle where, where, where one, uh, one officer called a rabbi and he told him how how they were sitting in the uh, they were sitting in the in the room where they decide what's going to happen every day, and he said he walked into the room and he sees there's a dozen guys and their heads are like this and they're ashen faced, and he says what's going on, and they said they just saw from the uh, from the view from the uh, the drones that three three uh, uh, Namer trucks were were destroyed. Those are those are troop transport tanks. That means 36 guys just died. And they say, what are they going to do? How are they going to tell their families? How are they going to tell Jerusalem? How are they going to tell anything? And while they're sitting there figuring out what happened, what went wrong, how could it happen? One of the guys calls. 
And he says, what do you mean? Where are you? He goes, we're fine. He goes, what do you mean you're fine? He goes, well, one of the belts broke. We couldn't move. So we decided we're sitting ducks. We ran out of the tank. And when we ran out of the tank, the 12 guys in the tank behind us said, something's up. They ran out of their tank. And then the 12 guys behind, they ran out of their tank. And he says, all of us were safe because a minute later, all three blew up. So you see miracles happen all the time. Now we're, we're in a difficult situation. How do we respond to a, to a difficult situation? We see Yaakov Avinu, it's interesting. He leaves home, and in the beginning of this week's parasha, he's leaving home and he's going to go to Haran to find a wife. His father and mother sent him to go find a wife. We see it says, Where am I going to find help? We reply to Yaakov Avinu. Why? Yaakov Avinu goes to find a wife. He says, I'm coming with nothing. Zero, zero, nothing. Nothing. But my father sent a servant and he had 10 camels and money and gold and everything, but I have nothing. And the question is, why does he have nothing? So the rabbis tell us that Eliphaz, the son of Esav, caught him on the way, was going to kill him. Yaakov convinced him, if you don't kill me, just take everything I have. A guy with nothing is as if he's dead. And he took everything from him, literally including the clothes on his back. So he says, how does Yaakov respond to this? How does he respond to a difficult situation? What's the first act that we see Yaakov do when he meets people? He does chesed. He does kindness. How? He sees Rachel at the uh, well, and he's going to help her with the, to, to, to give water to the sheep. He's going to help all the shepherds. He's the guy who's going to come do chesed. He says, how do you respond to a difficult situation? You have to respond to a difficult situation always doing chesed. There's a pasuk in, uh, in Hosea. It says, Ki chesed Elohim He says in, in, in Hosea, he says, I would much rather you not bring sacrifices to me in the Bet HaMikdash. I would much rather you do kind acts to one another. This is what I prefer more than anything. This is Hashem saying, Hashem is saying that what do you have to do? You have to do chesed with each other. How far do you do chesed? So I heard a story this morning from Pesach Kron. It was happened during COVID. If you remember in the beginning of COVID, it was a nightmare. We started around, around, around Purim and that Pesach was, no one was going to be together. Everyone who was alone was going to be alone. A woman who's a widow is going to be a widow. She's going to have Pesach alone. So Pesach Kron tells a story about a woman. Her name is Mrs. Monk. She lived in Lakewood. She was a widow. Her kids lived 20 minutes away, but she wasn't going to be with her kids. And she said, I never in my whole life spent Pesach alone. How am I going to sit here and spend Pesach alone? Even in Shabbat, she said, I never spent alone. What happened? A couple of weeks before Pesach, the neighbors come to her and they say, you know, we have an idea. Your dining room is right by the window that faces the garden, that faces our living room. We're going to move your table right next to the window. And on our house, we're going to move our dining room table into the living room by the window. We'll have our Seder. You'll keep the windows open. You'll join us for the Seder. But the husband was nervous. Maybe it's not going to work. What are we going to do if it doesn't work? Maybe she can't hear us. So what they do on the Shabbat Haggadol, they did a dry run. They did a dry run. They moved the table. They had and she had Shabbat dinner. They sang. They all see. Everything works. So Pesach, they have the Seder. She's sitting on her side. They're sitting on their side. Before the Seder, they bring her in a Seder plate with everything you could want. And she's going to sit right by the window and have the Seder with them. At one o'clock, the Seder ends and she's so happy because they sing every song. She's a German Jew and she 
had all these German songs that she grew up with and these tunes she grew up with. And you know, everybody has their own way of doing the Seder that we connect to. And she was so amazed that the neighbor, she never knew that they had the same origins as her. And they sang the same tunes as her. Even the end of the Seder, the same three songs her father and her husband sang, they sang. And it's one o'clock in the morning and she just had just such an unbelievable experience. She's so appreciative and she's putting away whatever she's putting away. And there's a knock on the door. Knock on the door, one o'clock in the morning. Who's coming at one o'clock in the morning? Eliyahu and Avi already came and he, he left. He says, who was it? It was her son and his kids. They just finished their Seder and they wanted to make sure they walked 20 minutes to make sure their mother was okay. They can't come in the house. You remember those days, you know, we stood across the street. I remember my son come visiting me. He stood in the car. We stood inside. They stood in my, how was it? It was unbelievable. You know, they knew all the songs from daddy and grandpa. It was amazing. It was so, so special. I don't know how, I never knew they, they would know the, all of this. And the son said, let me tell you, Ma, just so you know, I really don't want to tell you, but I want to tell you just so you know how nice they are. He says, two weeks ago when they decided to do this, the husband came to me and he said, your mother's going to be there. I don't know any of the songs your father and your grandfather sang. Do me a favor, make me a tape. And me and my kids are going to listen to the tape again and again until we know every song down pat. How much does a person go to make another person comfortable? We have now, all of us are expected to do whatever chesed we could do. I had the, the other morning, they asked me, we, we had sent a whole bunch of uh, knapsacks to the guys. And they, they, they sent me a bill from Dolphin, which is the, the distribution company, for new knapsacks that they needed for the troops that are really, that are, that are going into combat. And the knapsacks were $570 each. And I said, what are you? <laughs> okay. And there's a guy, I don't know if you know, this guy is Abba Kleeman. He lives in the old city. The old people all come to their house, you know, because they always have the soldiers, him and his wife, Pamela. He sent a note and he said, listen, if it makes them more comfortable and it makes them move 10 seconds faster. And the kids sent me pictures with these knapsacks and it's night and day from the ones that we had sent. He says, how could you tell them no? And so we, we, we paid the bill and we, we sent the thing. And you think about it, you know what, whatever we could do for them, he says you have to do for them. So God willing, we're doing whatever we could do for them. And that's our responsibility to do whatever we could do for them. Because they're there, we're here. I say it again and again, and I'll probably keep saying it through we're done. Elef lemateh, elef lemateh. When we went out to war, Hashem said, elef lemateh, a thousand from a tribe and a thousand from a tribe. Why a thousand and a thousand? There's a thousand who are going to fight. There are a thousand who are going to support their weapons. And a thousand who are going to pray for them. Each one of us has a job. We have to do the job. But just like the Navi says, what does Hashem want from you? Hashem wants one thing from you. He doesn't want sacrifices. He doesn't want anything like that. He wants us to do chesed. Bezrat Hashem, Bezrat of the chesed, we'll get through this. We're all confused what's happening now. Very confused what's going to happen in the next days. But Hashem, he, he runs the show and Bezrat Hashem will run the show and we'll see everything right. Just, just to add, 